0: Get iXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off iXL membership when they sign up today at iXL.com slash audio. Visit iXL.com slash audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture and the official podcast show of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw. I'm with my co-host over here, Matthew Aguilar in the studio. We have our girl Janelle Wheeler with us here, but she's backstage hanging out because we're trying to get these streams, these live streams you guys are watching together. And so we have new tactics to kind of get over our technical (laughs) hurdles. Uh, But uh, Janelle is our secret weapon this week, and she's waiting in the wings to make her grand debut. But first, we have some guests this week once again, Matt. And uh, Matt, this was another one of your great connection guests. So please do a proper introduction for us.
2: Absolutely. Well, today we have, we're going to talk about Alliance's Orphans, a brand new graphic novel from Dynamite. And we're going to talk about it with Ryan Silber and Luke Lieberman. How are you guys? Hello. Hey there. Hey, how are you? What's up? Thank you so much for joining the show. I appreciate it.
3: Well we are happy to be here.
4: <laughs>
2: well, uh so excited to talk about alliances because this this universe is, you know, something you guys got to develop and create with the, you know, iconic creator Stan Lee. Um so just kind of taking a step back just a little, you know, what was it like uh, you know, developing not even just working on a, a particular one issue or working on one character uh with Lee, but creating a world, creating a, a universe, uh, with you, what, how was that process? So I I've known Stan, um,
3: I knew Stan going back to about the year 2000. He gave me my, my first job after film school. Um, and I met him while I was in film school and we just sort of kept in touch and I would go, I would, you know, after I left his employ, um, to relaunch this character, actually to relaunch Red Sonia. um, I would just sort of call in to his assistant and find out windows when he'd be, you know, where I could just kind of knock on his door and hang out a little bit um, because, you know, we were, we maintained a friendship. And we got to a point where we were having a conversation about something and we started, it became a kind of creative conversation and we started coming up with an idea. And I realized when I was walking out the door that this was something Stan was actually willing to work on with me. So when I saw that door crack open, I just kind of leaned into it. And then, you know, the next time I saw him, I had all kinds of stuff developed along the lines of what we were talking about. And and that would be kind of the way of it. We'd get in a conversation, you tell me what he you liked, you come up with a few more ideas, I'd go off and expand on them. And then it got to the point where um, I realized that, you know, because Stan's time was at a premium. You know, because Stan's time was at a premium, um, that I needed someone to help me uh, workshop stuff uh, in between meetings with Stan. And that's when um, I asked Ryan if he wanted to join the team, the bullpen. And uh, obviously he said yes. And then that would be kind of the way of it. And the thing of it is, I mean, obviously at that point, we were working with the most experienced storyteller in the world at that point. Um, no pressure. <laughs> well, you got to, I mean, as Ryan learned, you have to have a very thick skin because Stan, he doesn't have um, like patience for your feelings. Like if he doesn't like something, he just, he'll just tear it out. Like you, you could have worked on it for a week. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, he was very straightforward, very like always going right to the heart of the matter, always kind of putting through the artifice to the heart of the story. Um, and you know, when we when we were developing this, it was just kind of pure world building exercise because we weren't, you know, we weren't trying to, I don't know, develop a TV pitch or develop a feature film treatment or, you or comic book or, you know, obviously when this first came out, we, we were just sort of Dungeons and Dragons world building for a couple years. And then um, it kind of came time where it was time to start showing our hand to people and like you know making some actual product out of it and um that's when audible came along and this is i guess 2017 when audible got involved and um they got involved and that was sort of a it was a cool idea for stan it it helped him um just because he hadn't done you know an audiobook really um and so anything that got stan excited obviously got the rest of it excited and that's that's kind of how the first book in the series, The Trick of Light, um, came out in 2019. Uh, and then we did a follow-up book, uh, that Will Wheaton read for us in 2020 or 2021. And hopefully I don't remember what year it came out. And now, uh, we have Orphans, which is the third, uh, in the series. And the, the, the opening prologue in Orphans, which is the book that we we're here to talk about, um, that Bill Sienkiewicz did the art for, that was that prologue was the kind of the first thing that we, we created with stand. That was like, that was kind of the kernel of the universe. I don't know if you guys had a chance to read it, but that was the kernel of the universe. The idea of the inventor um, being taken slave by this sort of dominant alien species and then, you know, wiping out the rest of his planet, keeping him alive and forcing him to make their weapons. And then obviously he turns his greatest weapon against them. Um, that, that, was, that was kind of that first conversation.
2: Uh, Ryan, did you want to um, add add to that? Because, I, I mean, that's such an interesting thing that, like, the the third book actually has the first thing that yeah. you wrote that's so interesting to me.
4: Yeah, you know, listen, like like Luke said, it was like Dungeons and & Dragons. And I grew up, you know, on comics, as Luke, and, you know, it was... <laughs> but, you know, one of the things I loved playing was those TSR uh, Marvel Dungeons & Dragons games. And this was, like, an opportunity in real time to, like, work with Stan as, like, you know to pull all of the interests that he had and all the kind of skill sets that he had which is like editor writer uh storyteller creator of characters like he got all of it in one mix and it was kind of a really fun kind of like surprising way of working because it was like not a rush to market on anything but yeah i mean for the for the graphic novel the intention was always to create uh, to launch these characters in a way when we would create them visually, it had to be done in a really stunning way. And Bill coming on, having never worked on a book that Stan had either edited or written, um, was something that you know we were really fortunate to have. And then Sliman coming on for the ball, you know, he really brought such heart to the to the characters. I hope readers, you know, appreciate that because the, the choice in artists is always from the inception if you we ever went to comics. Um, Looking for somebody like a Bill and Simon.
2: Absolutely, and you know I'm a sucker for uh, for team building. I'm a a sucker for like ragtag groups of of heroes and stuff. And you've got a really cool collection, characters here. I'm not going to say that Critter, uh, who is the dog like creature, is not my favorite because I'm a sucker for animals. Of any group that has an animal, (laughs) (laughs) he's the pet monster. He's the pet monster. It's so good, man. I know, I know. Uh, but, uh, you know, what can you tell us uh, for fans kind of coming in here? Well, I guess two questions. One, what can you tell us about the, the group of characters and the team itself? Um, just a little tease. But also, do you mentioned the previous two. Um, do people who haven't read those need to, like, would it be better to jump into those first? Can they jump into this and just move forward? Like, what's the best way? We, we wanted this. I mean, part of the reason... For instance, that
3: the prologue to the graphic novel was the first story we created was because it becomes a really easy jumping on point. And you know, this is um, we were we were bringing the the universe into a new medium into comics. Previously, it had been an audiobook. book. So, um, Orphans Alliance to be a jumping on point. We wanted it to be a spot where people didn't need to have a PhD and the prior work in order to understand what was happening. Um, I mean, there are, there are ties and connections and those who are familiar with the previous work will understand and appreciate them. We hope, I mean, there's like Easter eggs and whatnot, but you don't need to, um, in terms of the team, the reason they're called orphans is because the hive, when they would destroy, when they would wipe out a planet, they would keep one member of the species alive as a kind of, um, you know, for experiments and to sort of study them and, and so the orphans are each the last of their kind. They're each lone survivors. There's there's no one else like them. Every everyone that they ever knew has been wiped out. And so they have to kind of form a family with each other. But the fact that they were the ones selected to um, survive means that there's something kind of special about each of them. Um, they, were, they were sort of selected because they're an extraordinary member of their species. Um, so you have these sort of extraordinary... Um, I don't know what call them people. You have these sort of extraordinary aliens um, that are each orphaned, um, having to kind of come together and form a
4: family. Ryan? Yeah, that's right. I mean, like, like, we, love, we love old sci-fi serials, and this is one of the things that we were really looking at it was like journey into mystery stories that predated the Marvel era. And, um, you know, we wanted it to feel like an old school sci-fi serial. So these characters are sort of like modeled in a way after that kind of style. But then you know the other side the other side of it is like you said, like team building is so fun. So um getting to put together kind of this mishmash of characters um is is something you know we love as well. So um yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: Earlier you guys touched on how when you were coming to the kind of inception of the Alliance of the universe, you were kind of just thinking very focused on like where you were gonna do, but have things now that the series is up, the universe verse is up, and you guys have been kind of expanding. Mm-hmm. Up, do you have bigger multimedia plans or goals for like TV, movies, web shorts, anything else that you can kind of uh, tease us with or discuss?
4: Ryan, you want to take that one? Yeah, I mean, as always, you know, it's it's, it's what we love, it because Luke and I work in so many different mediums, um, is to really honor the medium we're working in. So like when we're making a comic or a graphic novel in this instance, it has to feel like, you know, you have to, do what's best for that platform, and for, similarly for the audio medium, it was about immersion, letting fans become their own Ditko's and Kirby, which we thought was really fun. And Stan was really tickled by when which is how we ended up um, launching an audio serial. Um, but certainly, other other mediums are ripe for discovery. And you know, we have a treasure trove of characters and storylines because of the way we developed this that we can pull from and. But I'll say the thing that was really great about working with Stan is saying, you know, he always started with that question, what if? A a what if style question, which is in this case, it was, you know, what is more real? The world we're born into and one we can create for ourselves, which is like really like, you know, amazingly, he was really looking around the corner and seeing like where our world that you know, where we are as a society is going. So we have a lot of characters that deal with those kinds of questions. And as the as things change in the digital ecosystem. Um, because a lot of our stories are set in that. Um, We certainly are changing with the times. And we're also listening to fans as we've started to open up the world a little bit and, you know, responding to them and, you know, finding ways to sort of address some of their interests and excitement. So, yeah, definitely film, TV, animation.
3: Well, that's great. what you're saying, we're we're not allowed to announce it yet. Yeah, I mean, there's a few things um, that we're not allowed to announce yet. But we um we have yeah, we I mean the the nice thing about having all of this sort of development done over the years is that we know where the story's going. You know, we we've you know there there is some level of thoughtfulness we have to put into, you know, which stories we tell in which mediums and wh- what makes sense where and kind of the order of events and how you're gonna roll stuff out. Um but you know, the development is is sort of done. So at this point it's a matter of um it's a matter of just kind of getting a hammer and nail and and you know, building based on those blueprints.
2: Absolutely. Well, you know, uh, this, this, just upon the material that's already out. Um, this lends itself so well uh, to a couple of different mediums. Like like you said, uh, I would personally, a, a TV series seems like really cool. So I'm, I've got my fingers crossed over here. Uh, but, uh, you know, before I know we got to let you go. But, um, you know, Luke, the shirt says it all. Uh, I'm a I'm a Red Sonya fan, Um, so um, you know, I there's a there's a movie that fans are are In super. There now I I haven't heard. It's, yeah, there's a, the a right there. Uh, I mean, yeah,
3: I mean, I just got back from Europe um, on uh, Friday, last Friday. I just got back, and I'm I was literally before we got on, I was watching daily from the last day of the We just wrapped. Um, I, I'm like halfway through watching day fifty-four dailies. Um so this thing's wrapped.
2: I mean the production's wrapped yeah as of a couple hours ago. Oh man. Are you I know you can't, you can't tease anything big, but are you excited? Like is it what you were hoping for?
3: Yeah, 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 I mean this ended up I mean it was a long process getting this thing made and there were a lot of iterations that um you know for whatever reason I guess I'm I'm happy with the iteration that that we landed on. Um I'm very happy with the actors. Um I'm happy MJ like MJ, what we needed and what MJ is is a true fan. You know, somebody who wanted to make this movie since they were—I mean, since she was young, since she was a teenager. This is a movie that she's always wanted to make. So we brought the right energy and passion, and kind of—and she understood. You know, she understood it. You needed somebody who really understood the genre and our world and the community of fandom to know how to make a, uh, a movie for those people. And um, Matilda about Matilda is that she sort of is authentically um she's got real depth she's got real like real toughness but this was a tough shoot there were nights it was like 45 degrees and we were covering her in fake in in you know studio rain and stuff like that outside and she was running around and it's not like the character wears a lot of clothes And she, you know, not a, not no complaint. She never complained. It was a tough shoot. She never complained once. And that's what, and, and, and that's because she's got this kind of toughness, maturity. She's got some depth. She's got some soul and it comes through in the character. Um, when she plays it and she looks incredible, but she sort of is incredible. And that sort of, that sort of just comes through. Um, and then we got very lucky with the villain with, um, with Robert, uh, Sheehan, who's playing, uh, Dragan. Um, because he's, he's just a phenomenal actor. He had, um, he gives you, I, I don't really know which takes of his they're going to use because he does so many different interesting things and in different takes. You kind of want to use them all, but ultimately the editor and the director are going to have to sift through it all and, and figure out, you know, which ones we're, which ones we're going to use. And I'll, I guess I'll just, I'll just rewatch the daily. Um, but he just, he just brings such a delicious sort of, um, aspect to uh to the villain and it's something i don't think you've quite seen before um and wallace um sort of nails her anicia um and she's also kind of she's a big sort of physical fit um woman and so that works but she's also got you know anicia is a character with a lot of inner demons if you ever read gail's comic so you know it was it was a fun shoot, and it was there was like a lot of real camaraderie, like a lot of real bonding that happened on the set. You know, the cast and crew formed a real solid unit, and that's kind of when you know people are doing their best work. Um, yeah. you know, everybody's having fun, even though it's you know a night shoot in October and freezing, but it doesn't matter. You know, people still have smiles on their face before we start rolling. Like that's when you know you're going to get good work because everyone was really putting on an temperament to it.
2: Yeah, when everyone's happy, it's, a, <laughs> it's <laughs> a good sign. It's a good sign. Uh, well, I am stoked uh, for that. And did you like my Red Sonia dance? I did. That was my... So yeah, I'm excited about that. for Alliance's Orphans, uh, fans can actually pick that up now um, for the graphic novel. And of course, you can also seek out uh, the previous books, uh, the books themselves or on Audible as uh, well. Guys, thank you so much for, for coming to talk about this. I am uh, super stoked. All the best success. Thank you. Thank you.
1: All right. That's our first guest. Now, our real big celebrity guest is here. Welcome to the studio. <laughs> Juan Janelle Wheeler.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a celebrity. I love it. Like you know what? I like feeling that way. Hi, guys. That was a beautiful interview.
1: I know it's so fun. Matt got to Matt. Matt got to kind of fan out on Red Sonja stuff. I got the dance.
2: I got the. We got to hear about
1: working for Stanley, and you know. I mean,
2: seriously, was there a better? What kind of
1: boss he was? It was good times. It was good times. There better way to kick
2: off the show with comics and Red Sonja. All right, well, that was our
1: interview with the creators of the Alliance universe. You can pick out Alliance Orphans graphic novel now. Mm -hmm. Let's get back to some of the things going on in geek culture on the ground here. This week has been a big week. We got a lot to do, (laughs) so let's get to it. Starting with, I forget what I put up first. What did I put up first? Black Panther. Uh, No, I didn't. That was not number one. Oh, sorry. Number one was James Gunn. Oh, that's right. Yes, we're starting with DC. Our graphic says Marvel, but the heart of this at the beginning is DC. Look at that. Let's go. This week, when it was announced that DC's (laughs) latest iteration of the DC Films franchise will be under DC Studios, their new imprint name which is being co-headed by James Gunn and his longtime producing partner, Peter Safran. So Gunn is taking over DC studios. He's effectively becoming the Kevin Feige of DC along with Peter Safran. And people were, had mixed emotions to this, right? First up, people spazzed out almost immediately the Snyder from the Snyder (laughs) and we're posting memes of uh, Toby Maguire throwing the Spider-Man costume in the trash saying they're done with DC now. And as, as if Good. there's some war between, Good. there's been this perceived war. Okay, so for people who don't know, kind of had two big director creators influences, which was Zack Snyder, who did Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman and Justice League, and James Gunn, who did the Suicide Squad and its kind of TV spin-off, Peacemaker. Some fans have labeled these as kind of warring factions of the Gunverse and the Snyderverse and it's been kind of debated like who would be the best kind of architect to kind of take things forward, Zack Snyder or James Gunn. James Gunn got the job, so that meant some Snyder people thought, "Oh, it's all over for Snyder stuff and we're out of here." <laughs> I wrote a piece and put myself out there that said, "No, you know, James Gunn's appointment is not the death of the Snyderverse." And my whole point is this. If there is one person who's probably the most creator-friendly collaborator to possibly convince somebody like Zack Snyder who has dealt with unimaginable crap with Warner Brothers and their executives and just trying to get his films made and out the way he made them, if there's one person that could probably work with him and get him back in the fold to do something, it's probably James Gunn who would take the time, another director of a unique signature who even if he makes different films from Snyder would be more sympathetic to what a director does and creates and could help maybe kind of find good middle ground for what Snyder does and what they need to achieve in under four hours as a film yeah. studio, you know? So I don't agree with all that. I think that's kind of just specious reasoning to think that just because they pick gun, it means all Snyder stuff is gone because Snyder, the Snyder has been winning this week. I mean, it's not like the Snyder is losing. We still have Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. We mm-hmm. still have Jason Momoa's Aquaman. Henry Cavill's coming back as Superman. Right. That's a Snyder thing. We're getting a Man of Steel sequel. Those are all things with Snyder DNA. But that's into not,
2: them. okay, so, but your initial premise though of- No, I put this, with...
1: well, don't, don't, don't come from my writing pieces. I am, a <laughs> writer. I am not a film talking head. I write things and I do a good job of it. And there are things and I cover my bases. One of the questions I asked is, what does it mean to be Snyderverse? Like, what does that mean? No, I wasn't saying. OK, that. what are you going to say?
2: No, I was saying was your, initial, yeah, your initial premise, though, of the, this group wars with the gunverse. There's a group. I don't lump every fan of no, Snyder things there's in a there. Small, there's a yeah, small group, group of that of wars it. with yeah. everyone. It exactly. doesn't matter that it's gun. It, whoever would have stepped I would have stepped into this role. And they would have literally been against me, and oh, he's throwing because they don't. It doesn't As matter unless be. it's Snyder <laughs> <laughs> Something in that role. They do not care. Everything else is baboo, baboo. That's what. That's what yeah. it is. So that's my my issue. I don't even think it was Gun. I think it was whoever steps into that role. Yeah,
1: going to get lamp, But yeah.
2: you're, what you were going to launch into is also a very good point.
1: Yeah. What does it mean to be Snyder? Yes. Like if we go forward, no matter who, and this is oh, I don't know, guys. This is kind of what those things called comic books do. Yeah. So it doesn't matter like yeah, Gunn might take over, even if Gunn stepped in and directed all the next Justice League and Superman stuff, he's still playing with snyder Snyderverse DNA mm-hmm. all throughout this that they're not jettisoning. We don't have a new Superman. We got Cavill back. So I think we can chill on that point a little bit because I don't think yeah, and I said just as a final point, like let's be clear cuz I don't know if people's brains always register Gunn is overseeing things. Right. He's not personally directing right. everything. So it's not going to all be the he Suicide is. Squad. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to all be the Suicide Squad. So we can we can relax on that. Um, yeah, and like I said, we're even hearing this Superman Dawn of Hope thing. So it sounds like we're getting Snyderverse stuff tweaked a little bit to be more what some fans were complaining about, which is a happy medium for everybody. Janelle, i th- <laughs> Like you have personal knowledge of all things, James Gunn. How are you feeling about this uh, DC appointment?
5: I mean, I honestly at this point, we're so desperate for someone to kind of take the Feige role um at DC that anyone just needs this needs to happen. Like we need something. And the fact that it's James Gunn is Something that I'm super pumped about. I love James Gunn content. I trust his voice. I trust his knowledge and comic books and all things related to comics. He has tons of experience working with a successful, um, you know, MCU thing, and he has tons of DC experience as well. So I really don't know who else people could really hope for. I mean, if if we were holding up, I know there were murmurs of The Rock taking this role as opposed to James Gunn. I would choose James Gunn 20 times over The Rock just for a simple knowledge in this nerd world. So I don't really understand anyone not loving this. I I don't know what people's expectations are. I, I guess some people just want it to keep sucking. Like that's what it feels like. (laughs)
1: Wow, wow, putting it there, Janelle Wheeler, putting it down. Do we want it to suck or not? All right.
5: (laughs) We need something.
1: (laughs) I get, and I agree. And I think people are also, again, like, James Gunn is, what overseeing means is you're the ringmaster of the tent, but the tent is full of freaks, right? So, like, The Rock is still, could be his own capo boss in this whole thing. Like, there's James Gunn, but The Rock is still working on his version, you know, his division of DC movies. Somebody else is working on this Man of Steel thing. Somebody's doing this stuff. And like, yeah, and he's not even necessarily taking all of it. I think the initial report said that Joker still its own yeah. kind of separate thing, not under gun. It's unclear. Have they, unless they've tweaked this in the last day or so, I think it's unclear whether the Batman franchise is under him or not. So it's still kind of its own thing. So they're still playing it. I think he's just going to be, as Janelle said, the guy who's going to help us yeah. get a linked universe. And he was one of the major reasons in our now chump-making segment, uh, Will DC or Marvel Have the Better Year in 2022? One of the main things we said was what James Gunn did with the Suicide Squad and then spinning that off into Peacemaker, a successful hit TV show that fully was like one of the most full adaptations of an actual movie kind of becoming a TV show without any downgrading or anything was the key that we thought was gonna make DC a more coherent universe. Yep. And so I think that the people at Warner Brothers probably listened to Comic Book Nation, heard all that <laughs> and took our idea and were like, that's a great idea, let's run with that. Um, and no, but in all seriousness, and so I think that's his main job, right? Pull this together and yep. make it a franchise. And I think he can, I think he can do that.
2: So. Well, and like Janelle said, uh, I, I don't think, I think this, this dual hire, this dual role is one of those that's kind of a win-win for everybody so i don't necessarily even the people who don't necessarily love like james gunn's take on things the saffron of it all brings such a like one of the things we've talked about and one of the reasons why that video has not aged so well and we i feel like we should just re-record it every year one of these years we'll get it right so like 2023 we'll have another one (laughs) we'll just bet on one of these things will happen but like One of the things is mismanagement and disorganization and one hand, not talking to the other and budgets, Uh, movies having to be written off when a new organization comes in because the debt is so high, like those things have also played a role in the chaos. So having someone who is able to kind of deftly maneuver in those waters and saffron with someone who brings that kind of, you know, um, Kevin Feige, Kevin Smith kind of, enthusiasm for comics and what they can be i mean look the suicide squad is as comic a movie as you get the movie at starro like i love i love that you know so if i trust someone to kind of take that i mean all of the fan things of what do we want to see a under a gun kind of regime at dc at dc like who who do we want to see like justice league dark Yes, I know I'm talking. I already threw out the Detective Chimp thing, but I got some support, by the way. I even got a hashtag. But I will say, like, that, the humor that you can find in something like that, Gunn is willing to go to some dark places. Like, there's just so much this opens up, even if he's not directing, even if he's overseeing, you put the right people in place, right? Yeah.
5: Um, Bad Coyote in the chat is saying, I wonder if they will ever release Batgirl movie. And I feel like that's a great question. I'm curious what you guys think.
2: Oh no! Yeah, I don't I think, think so. I think
1: that that's
5: forever gone. Yeah.
2: I think it's forever gone. Only because the, there's so
1: much legalities. With, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. If they out, if they do anything, they've got to pay so much money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they've got to think like the X and the Y will never probably work.
2: And the like, WB yeah. leadership that is on its way out didn't want the backer movie not to release. It was Zazlab. It was the it's the new kind of trying to get the budgets in line and dead in line stuff of this new leadership, they aren't going anywhere, right? So this is all happening under them. So that's not changing. So I don't see, unfortunately, I don't see Batgirl changing. I don't see that changing. So yeah, that I
1: mean, sucks. Yeah. I mean, it's just simple math. Like Because of the nature of the deal, the tax write-off for Batgirl, if they ever promote it, bring it out, show even like a frame for it, I think, like they automatically, they do, that tax write-off goes away and they owe that money back. So Unless they think Batgirl is going to make a billion, I don't see them ever dusting that off. But um,
5: What do you guys think this means for like Titans and like Doom Patrol, stuff like that, that's kind of successful?
1: I think that there's a lot of this that's probably going to be decided. I think Gunn is taking this job at a point where a lot of this is decided. I wrote about that, too. I think The Flash is a big reset that, I mean, his job is effectively going to yeah. start making stuff after The Flash. So I think anything we think about that before the flash doesn't really matter because they already have a plan in place for that. Yeah. And whatever they're doing for that is going to basically kind of give us a soft reset for him to come in and then build on. So I don't know what that means for Titans or the HBO max series. I think Titans is doing okay and get more popular. I don't know if doom patrol will last because it's gotten that Netflix thing. Like, you know, it can only binge so many seasons before you begin to run out of steam. So we'll see, but uh, we got to take a break in a minute, but uh final thoughts. If you guys can each pick your dream project right now under (sighs) James Gunn, give me your elevator pitch for what it is. Matt.
2: Oh, Justice League Dark, man. Yeah, I think. uh, Director. Director. Yes. I would love to see that team. Constantine is on that team. You can't tell me a gun Constantine wouldn't absolutely rule like that.
1: So you want Gunn himself. Justice I, dark.
2: Look, if you're saying that's the pitch to like have him do it, yes. No,
1: I'm saying anything under that he would greenlight, and even it. if
2: he greenlit and didn't direct it, he will put the right person in place to okay. direct that. I would right. love to see that,
5: Janelle. I would love to. I, I guess this isn't like a specific project, but I would just really like to see the introduction of a Harley and Ivy live action relationship.
3: Ooh.
1: Okay, I mean, something. Ooh. All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I mean that's. That's a that's good a, one. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, Harley, <laughs> I think the Harley Quinn series we can to say, say is safe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: Sirens, Brywood. Yeah, that's a yeah, good one. Yeah, Gotham City Sirens would be a good one. Yeah. And then
1: was brought up as a follow-up to Birds of Prey. We should know that Journey uh, Smollett is not, is kind of, hasn't really letting fans hopes die for a Black Canary that Black Canary is going to continue, so... That might fit into the plans. If you're, you're pulling the, a cavil, yeah.
2: like, like a year from now, yeah.
1: like, oh, I'm back. <laughs> but that was always in the plans originally a long yeah. time ago. It was right. supposed to go um, Birds of Prey, then a Gotham City Sirens movie, and then like a uh, uh, Birds vs. Sirens yeah, movie. Yeah, because that's
2: where Batgirl yeah. was originally going to And that sounded in.
1: dope to me, so I'm yeah, for they, that. I like that. Um, I still want my question TV oh. series. I would love to see Gun. you know. Which either, one? that's what I was thinking about. I'd like to see them both. I'd like to see Ooh. it be a multi kind of, you know, detective story where we come, where it's the Vic Sage, the end of Vic Sage, something happened to Vic Sage. Renee Montoya's taken up the mantle and has been, is new in the role. And it's a mystery that extends over both their times as a question. And it leads to something bigger in the DC oh, universe. Hell yeah. And no, you use that, that little tiny series to flesh out like so much Batman stuff, you know, because we need a new Batman for this and a whole, in a good Batman lore. And then it leads to some big conspiracy in the DCU that I like that story. So boom, use something small, go small up. and kind of She-Hulk this thing. But instead of doing comedy, we do a full kind of neo-noir neo oh, detective yeah.
2: story. He directing it or he's just getting someone?
1: I would, love to, I would like to see him directed. I know he's busy, so I would also, I'd be cool with him getting somebody.
2: I mean, he's like, supremely uh, busy. We've yeah. given him three movies. Maybe Terrence
1: just in the Winter, Terrence Winter <laughs> didn't do um, the Penguin series. He didn't end up doing the Penguin series. So maybe Terrence Winter from Boardwalk Empire or something like that. Would be great for like, uh, yeah, just a detective, like hard gum gumshoe noir thing that's, oh, but set in the DC. I year. like that, man. In the question, figuring out some crazy stuff that's happening behind the scenes and uncovering some big plot.
2: Uh, two quick notes from the comments. Uh, one, I do love the uh, Ryan Reflects brings up the Marvel Studios special presentation format. I would yeah. like DC to Whoa. bring in something like that for these kind of one-off things. I think that's perfect for their Elseworlds. Yeah, um, that'd be cool. Vision anyway. That'd be really cool. Uh, and then two, I found the other Metal fans. Yes. Thank you, Max Strugger and Briwood. I'm always getting shouted down on Metal here. And it's nice to see some support.
1: Wait, <laughs> you, you guys, guys want... Oh, yeah, baby. That's Metal. metal. Is <laughs> All right. Love it. Time as any to take a break. When we come back, we are getting into those first Black Panther Wakanda forever reactions and getting ourselves emotionally prepared. We're going to talk about some new TV shows that dropped in this week and give you some quick reacts to some new trailers that came out that everybody's talking about. So Stay tuned for more Comic Book Nation and subscribe on YouTube and Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. Welcome back to Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture and the official podcast show of comicbook.com. We just had a fun interview with the creators of the Alliance universe, and we just talked about the changing situations at the now titled DC studios with James Gunn. But the biggest news of this week is no doubt, as our image by, uh, by Peter back here clearly shows, is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. So, Black Panther Wakanda Forever held its big premiere, and, uh, you know, we might be the official podcast of comicbook.com, but we don't get to do fancy things like go to premieres. They know better than to let us out for that kind of (laughs) stuff. But we sent some people from comic book to the Black Panther 2 premiere. Uh, Phase Zero hosts uh, Brandon Davis and Aaron Perrine were out there in some velvet suits. If you want to live through that whole thing of their velvet suiting, velvet look do good. Velvet they, look do. Good. they do They do. I mean, look, they both man. look good. Aaron brought the colors. I mean, I, can't, I was I can't stunned. I, was can't, I can't hate on that, man. Yeah, the fashion was on point. Yeah, did good. Comic book fashion. We should do our no show. We should, like, yeah, do a whole other show about this. <laughs> but um. Yeah, we have some first reactions for Black Panther, Wakanda, Forever, now in. And I believe we have a graphic that kind of pulls up uh, what Brandon and Aaron both had to say and their instant reactions. Look at that, the production values. So Brandon David, or let's start with Aaron. Aaron said that Black Panther, Wakanda, Forever is an emotional journey and well worth the wait. And he really loved the movie. Brandon said that Black Panther is epic and especially in scope. He also highlighted... Uh, Tanook Huerta as Namer as one of the better villains. And that word has gotten him in some hot water, but I think he meant antagonists. The MCU has had to offer. And he says, and he admits that motions are heavy. Ryan Coogler ups his game on the action. It's a lot to take in. It's a lot to balance. And it is powerfully good. So they, both of them have a lot more in their respective Twitter threads, which you can check out. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be posting them in our article for, for, with this episode. We'll post links to their Twitter kind of reactions so you can read them in full. But they kind of nailed the consensus that we've heard um, at the same time. This is a Marvel movie. And so not all of it has been shining. Some of people have said that they were kind of underwhelmed by Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, or there was too much Marvel in it. Um, these are not new criticisms. We've heard them before. My question to you and Matt, what are you showing me here? What is happening? Is there no. something is there something happening in life?
2: Oh, Venom 3 director. Yeah.
1: Wait, oh, what? Breaking news? Oh, breaking news. <laughs> oh, man. I was trying to be sly about it. Yeah, we got <laughs> breaking news. Uh, Venom 3 has a director. If you don't know, we uh, sometimes get hit with breaking news in the middle of one thing, so we don't have to stop anything, but we're just going to say that uh, Kelly Marcel uh, is going to be directing Black or Adam. Black Adam, <laughs> Black is Adam gonna, 2. Is directing
3: Venom 3. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh. that was so possible.
1: All right. I'm trying to figure out who Kelly Marcel is and what she's directed before. I can't remember off the top of my head. This is the fun of breaking news on this show. Okay. So as we're saying this and we're going to figure out this whole Venom 3 thing, I think the basic point is we're getting a Venom 3. Yeah, we're getting a Venom 3. Okay. So she did. Oh, she link. did. Saving Mr. Banks in 50 Shades of Grey. She also did uh, Terra saving Nova, the the uh, TV series Terra Nova. Never watched it. I wanted to, but I never watched it. And she was a screenplay writer and executive producer of the original Venom before taking oh. over as director of Venom 3. So, so she's so, already in- Yeah, the she's in the franchise, system. and she and, and Tom Hardy are gonna be working on this together. I love Saving Mr. Banks. And so it just looks like they're keeping it in the family.
5: Janelle, do you ever see Saving Mr. Banks? Oh yes, and that was spectacular. Great movie, yeah. So I mean, Mr. Banks is a great. So movie. Good.
1: I Thought it should have won that year. I, I campaigned. Yeah. Off, but yeah. it did I campaigned really hard for that, but it, I, I didn't.
2: So that's cool. I, what do you feel about Venom Three? You like? You loved Venom Two, didn't you? No, oh, yeah. she, yeah. she,
1: she wrote Saving Mr. Banks. Let's just be clear about that. Yeah. I don't want to confuse
5: things. Yeah, I liked Venom Two, but I was also drinking a very strong IPA. It was like my first time back in a theater. I like was with my girlfriend. And we were just like, you know, it was just fun. I just had a good time. Sometimes I feel like some films don't have to be taken so seriously, right? Like it's not on the same level as, you know, the latest Spider-Man, but it's, it's just fun. Like go have a good time with your friends, have a beer. If you like to partake in alcoholic beverages and enjoy, enjoy the film and just enjoy it. And that's what I did. I just kicked back, relaxed. I didn't get too critical. Um, and like that, that's what Venom is for me right now. Who knows? They could up the ante and we'll see where it goes, but I, I just have a good time with it. I love Venom. I think Venom's freaking cool. Uh-huh. one so, of uh, the, uh, guys that I remember from like my childhood playing with toys that I was like, Oh, I'm Venom. Like I like Venom because he's creepy and weird. Um, we yeah.
2: Okay. Actually, can- needs to do the Venom
5: voice more often. I feel yeah, like that. No, that was Batman. I'm Venom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my Venom is Groot and Batman together. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm currently stuck in constant fights where my son is Spider-Man and I am Venom. Nice.
5: <laughs> I love that
1: black bathrobe <laughs> and, you know, I got a mean flip got my, sound. Man. Got my bathrobe ties or my little symbiote tendrils. It's real. So. It's also being reported that this is going to be the final, and this might oh. be the bigger thing. This is the final Venom film that Ooh. Tom Hardy is doing, reportedly. So take that how you will, because that's an interesting prospect interesting. when you're kind of beginning to weigh, you know, what's going on. Because Marvel, of course, ended Spider-Man No Way Home with having Tom Hardy's Venom yeah. show up just to poop a little symbiote and leave it in the Marvel Cinematic universe wow. and <laughs> then so depart. And so now hearing this could be the final venom film kind of raises some interesting questions. This is the first, this is the last in the solo venom series before we get to some bigger thing. Is this the last for Tom Hardy's venom? Is he done after this? Because maybe Marvel's going to be taking this character on a ride. Like what are we doing here? So this is kind of uh it's kind of crazy.
2: That's, uh, I am, um, no, no, real quick. Uh, Happy birthday, Junon uh, Foster. Did I get the name right? I hope I did. Happy birthday. Awesome. i love, you know, love yeah, to yeah. shout out some birthdays yeah, on I here. Birth- but uh, I am, man, I am. That either means, to me, I would take the final film as we're either going to go all in and do a no way home. Let's do the Spidey Venom thing now because he's he's gone. Or this is the last movie because they want to do a more woven together thing with them. And Hardy doesn't maybe want to do that. So let's end his kind of trilogy. Let's send him out with like that and like kind of end his arc there and then bring someone else in and then kind of launch into our Spidey Venom madness, right? That's I would one of the I would feel like that's one of those two is in the cards. If this is because otherwise, why do you say it's going to be the final one? Yeah. Like that to me that that means there either something is in the works moving forward. And you kind of want to close this chapter or you're going to go all out and make this an
1: extravaganza. Extravaganza. Mm-hmm. An extravaganza. <laughs> so, I don't know. That's uh, Yeah, that's interesting breaking news right there. You know. Well, there you go. Yeah, that's some good. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate that. that um, think, <laughs> so, let's get back. I know this is awkward. Sorry, man. This is so disrespectful to Chadwick. I'm sorry, man. Uh, let's get back to Black Panther <laughs> 2 reactions. So, yeah, people have been saying it. Do you guys feel, I mean, have you guys looked personally at, we read our reactions from comicbook.com and Phase Zero's own Brandon Davis and Aaron Perrine, but have you guys kind of crowdsourced the larger reaction pool and seen things? And how do you guys feel overall about the kind of consensus about this film? Do you think, because there are high demands on this above any other film in Phase Four by far Yeah, to kind of deliver something, not just, not just popcorn spectacle, but something Powerful and emotional and cathartic. Do you think it sounds like we're getting that? Or are you guys a little nervous after mm-hmm. these flavor reactions?
5: Well, I'm looking at, so a good friend to comic book, uh, comicbook.com is Supes. Um, he's a, you know, entertainment coverage guy. He was out at the event. And one of the things that really stood out for me in his reaction was how like, super pumped, he was right out of the gate, and then how, when he started to make his like content reviews, he's like, But there are some criticisms, and there are some, and so it was kind of backtracked a little bit. He actually rated it in his um phase four ranking, he gave it number three behind No Way Home and Shang-Chi. So, hmm. I'm shocked that that is number three for him um that's above thor that's above multiverse of madness Hard
1: week, and i wasn't gonna put him out here but uh <laughs> yeah he was the person who took the most heat for having the first pronounced negative review of black mm-hmm.
5: Panther. yeah so i feel like i i wonder if it's this moment of like when you're in this room and you're watching this film it just is so compelling and it yeah. kind of just you're just so wrapped up in it and then maybe once you leave, you're going to start thinking a little, digging a little deeper, thinking a little harder, getting a little more critical. I feel like that's kind of how I've noticed several of the people that attended the premiere kind of handling it.
2: Yeah, no, I I, I, I agree. I think I was actually surprised by the amount of, not negativity, but the amount of criticisms that I saw in those initial things, like in mm-hmm. those... In- Actions of things, especially from like
5: really so, positive people,
2: <laughs> really positive people, and also like the premiere, like everyone's so amped upright. It's mm-hmm. it's a fear, and I think what might end up happening in a in a different way is what happened with Thor. Um, mm. I feel Love and Thunder. Everyone was just like over the moon about when they mm-hmm. first came out, and then when the movie kind of like as the weeks went on and the movie came out, and people started to see it, those same people. <laughs> <laughs> we're kind of like, if you talk to them after the fact, they're like, you know, they had some issues with the movie. Like, like it kind of was one of those things. Like if you're in the atmosphere and you're in that moment with everybody else, you're like loving it and everyone's yeah. feeling the vibe. And then after the fact you start to like the cracks start to really show themselves here, like Janelle saying, this is such a, this isn't just a movie for like a lot of fans. This is the like
5: movement.
2: It's yeah. Because you mm-hmm. know, first black Panther did so much. Yeah. And then also too just the personal tragedy that's involved in this, right. That There's, it is a memorial in a lot of ways. So yeah, I can, I can totally understand you getting swept up in, in those things as well as the movie. And then later on, as you have a chance to kind of step away and just look at the movie. Yeah. I can see that kind of like, well, did I love Like how what they did with this character when when those kind of things start to be the focus and not everything else that surrounds it maybe you don't love it as much as a a movie and yeah it might you know fall in some rankings I have been very happy with the stuff I've been seeing about Namor yeah um and you know I don't I hope he is not a villain because that's not what that's not part of what makes him compelling typically when he's used as a full-on villain he's very one note and forgettable in my opinion so gotcha. when he's more of a ruler and he's looked at as he's not conflicted but he just has his kingdom's uh wants and needs at heart and the surface world a lot of times just you know craps all over them <laughs> so like he's always like that's his main thing and also he's kind of a haughty you know, kind of ego. He's, he has an ego, you know, so like some king. of that gets warmed in. But like when he's a full-on just a villain, I hope he's not. I hope he is kind of just an antagonist in this part. Like they're two, they're butting heads over something. And I hope that is made yeah. clear. I
1: mean, there are rumors out, and we're not going to get into any spoilers or rumors or leaks or anything. But yeah, I mean, it is kind of rumor. I mean, it's the, and we've all suspected this because it's been in comics that there could be other forces at work to set these two nations against each other. And, Maybe Namor isn't quite a villain so much as, like you said, a king who's just doing what he wants to do for his people. Yeah. And I think there's, and I've always thought there's going to be an interesting thing about this about like what makes a king and possibly, you know, a dead T'Challa somehow teaching a live Namor, you know, lessons that transform him as a character going forward. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I've heard good things about Namor. I've also heard good things about Riri Williams. Yeah, and and, buddy, her, and I Dominique got Thorne, the actress, and her kind of debut in this, as kind of being she's able to, there. and we've seen clips that are out with her kind of holding the screen with Denai Guerrero and Letitia, with Letitia Wright. And so, you yeah. know, she's coming in strong. We get Riri strong, Riri like, in the okay, movie yeah. and Riri on the soundtrack.
4: I and know, yeah.
5: I keep thinking people are talking about Rihanna. Like
1: yeah. whenever they say "Riri" because of the overlap there. <laughs> <can get> close <laughs> of
5: Riri, yeah, yeah man. Uh,
1: that track is uh, making people float. I was just writing about that coming in here. "Lift Me Up," Rihanna song now out. So uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, and in even the, the comments, we have people saying, "I think Neymar's going to hit," and like we always said, like I think it's going to strike a chord with the kind of Latino community, especially kind of getting this hero and a representation of Aztec culture. So I'm I'm kind of really curious to see, but um. Yeah, we got something coming in. Uh, what was that? No, I'm cutting something. Oh, you cutting something? Okay. <laughs>
5: um, <laughs> I already know I'm going to love this, by the way. Like, this is so me. I can tell by all of it that it's just, I'm going to eat this up. So any negative <laughs> things are probably not going to come from this person.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, let's go. We got a lot to do. We, we have our show, as usual, is overpacked. Um, real quick. Quick reactions. Uh, we're not the Marvel show. We have a Marvel show, Phase Zero, where they broke these stuff down. But quick reactions. How did you guys feel about the Ant Man three trailer? Matt, um, it was uh, it was fine. <laughs> okay, uh, all right. Then I'm coming out too. It was just fine for it me. Was fine. It was fine for me. I wrote an article that people were mad about, but it was fair to ask. But that Superman news that same day kind of killed yeah, the Ant Man trailer, and this was just okay for me. It's still Marvel. I mean, and I think this could end up being better than Black Adam, but I still think that, like, Black Adam visually just has made me tired of the grand Marvel green screen, kind of standing in front of green screens with, you know, epic CGI depth to them, you know. And there's a lot of that in this trailer. But I will say I am very curious because I think this part that we're watching now with Cassie Lang setting off a beacon in the quantum realm could be an event that is much bigger than this movie. Um, it obviously alerts Kang and, or whoever's down there. Some people are theorizing we could be getting, this could be the event that helps the, the Fantastic Four get back from wherever they were. That beacon mm-hmm. could be uh, the kind of key, if whether they were somewhere else or are actually held by Kang down here. This could be the event that helps them come back. So there's a lot that I think is going to come out of this movie. But um, in and of itself, it just feels like another strange journey, adventure, journey into mystery type deal that we've seen like Fantastic Voyage or something going into the side of our bodies. Fantastic! Whoa. Yeah, we're going into a miniature universe <laughs> and it's just okay to me. But um, Janelle- I'm excited to see Jonathan Majors' Kang and learn what secrets there are and see how they're gonna finally open up the quantum realm from the first Ant-Man that we've been waiting on to see what this place is really all about. So I need you to bring the hype here.
5: Um, well, I just don't understand what else do you expect it to be? Uh, than a green screen like big Marvel film because like we already have a non-green screen like e- existence with like She-Hulk and like stuff like that. But like this is Ant-Man and he gets tiny. So like how else, I mean, what else could it be? It can't be like a drama. Let's, um, be,
1: let's be accurate here. Like this is not the trailer they showed at Comic-Con. The okay. trailer that they at Comic-Con was cut much differently. It was much different mm-hmm. and had like a lot more focus on Kang and, you know, asking Scott Lang, are you an Avenger? Have I killed you before? Like all these kind of menacing things. So it was a little different than what Like
5: we- spookier, like more at, at risk, like, right? Like the stakes felt little, higher.
1: Yeah, I think it was a little bit kind of scarier. And I think you can yeah. find it online, but- uh,
5: I, I, I mean, hear that. I hear I don't that.
1: do just like the movie, I think it was just the particular cut of the trailer making yeah. it more of this a- This str- just
5: feels more family- oriented. Like it feels like something that you can take your kids to and go see together in the theater. Nobody's going to be scared out of their minds, Um, which is fine. Like there's a place for that. Like this, I'm glad that it exists. Like we need diversity across all of our projects that we're getting from the MCU. But uh, for me, I, I felt the hype like crazy. I was excited. But Ant-Man is also, I love it. I love Ant-Man. So I might be biased in that. I might just be like, oh my gosh, anything you're dishing out from Ant-Man, I'm so excited about. And yeah. No, go
2: ahead. No, go ahead.
5: It was just awesome. It was just, I, i for me, so fun. I loved the visuals of this other world. I thought it looked really, really cool and well done. And I mean, it's Marvel. And they always do such a great job. So I'm, you know, I'm not even nervous about this. I feel like it's going to be badass. Um,
1: Yes. (laughs) Um, Let's address, there is a big thing coming out of this trailer, which is a theory about the rings that are around Kang's kind of armada and city, Chronopolis, which I assume that's Chronopolis, um, and how they match the designs of Shang-Chi's 10 rings and the bangles in Miss Marvel. And so there is a popular theory that these are all big power items that have been kind of, floated through phase four. And I think so. And I think these are going to be, I think these rings are the technology that allows Kang to kind of move through realities, time and things without him or his army being affected. Yeah. And I think whatever their connection to them is explained, you know, however it's explained, I think these are going to be the things that are given to people who will be able to protect those who survive into secret wars. Right. Because, Theoretically, Shang-Chi should be able to maybe use the rings while Kamala can use her bangles to whatever incursion event thing to maybe be the life raft that kind of gets them to the Secret Wars is my theory.
2: Wow. Take okay. it
1: how you will. And, and so those characters will be with other characters and the ones they're with, the ones they protect, will be the ones who don't get a race.
2: Okay. So I I will uh I think I think that was a, you, I think you two have way more uh to like share, like insight to share and stuff about about this trailer. I just thought it was. I, I, The reason you were hyped for this movie, probably, I, would it be safe to say is Kang? Yeah. Okay. That is the reason I'm not. And the sheer movie. amount of helmets. <laughs> that
1: I, I counted at least five helmets in this.
2: There poor are a lot for of helmets. Pim,
1: poor, poor for the Pim Lang family. One for Kang. That's a lot of helmets. There are a lot There's of helmets. There's a reason helmets. to be happy about this. I,
2: I just can't. I, I've said this a couple, like, before, right? It's So it's no secret. King does not excite me as a villain and I'm not exactly like over the moon that he is like the next, like the big overarching thing. So I just, Jonathan Majors is amazing. He's going to kill it as the role, but I'm just saying like as a character and a concept and everything, I just don't care about King. So like the fact that the most to me, like that, this is going to play so heavily into that. And I agree with Kofi on the part of like the trailer. I was excited to see the one from Comic-Con because of the things they talked about and played up of like, you know, I feel like those those comments. And this wasn't exactly what that was, but I still enjoyed it and stuff. So it was fine. But yeah, King is just not. My
1: oh, thing. six. If MODOK has a technically has a helmet. Well, There's six. a lot of helmets. A lot helmets, of helmets are great. Way. I
2: just they didn't say it trailer. But it's fine. Right. it's fine.
1: All right. Let's go on uh, real quick. And I mean, real quick. That was not quick. Yeah, but that was not quick. quick. Uh, we, have, we I didn't know we were going to all have so many thoughts. <laughs> hey, all right. You go quick right. and then you take 10 minutes. What about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas trailer? I I think it's going to be funny, special presentation, another great one. Um, And the fact that they're taking it so meta as having Kevin Bacon in it is amazing. <laughs> the fact that Kevin Bacon's coming in and doing this is amazing. Yeah, uh, he's been on a tear, a really, really good tear lately. And uh, yeah, that's amazing. And, I, and it's going to be just great feel-good holiday special stuff that, you know, our new DC head has put together for us as
2: a Christmas (laughs) present, so.
1: It's gonna be awesome, and just, yeah, seeing kind of Drax and Mantis out in the real, actual Earth world is, I would watch a series of that on its own, Um, just on its own, but uh, yeah, this looks like a feel-good time, so
2: I'm in. Yeah, um, Janelle?
5: Yeah, I think we're all in. I mean, I'm obsessed with anything Christmassy. Like, I was tweeting about, now that I have Hawkeye Christmas, and now I have this, I'm just like, I don't have to watch the same, you know, three Christmas movies to get into the spirit. Like, I'm finally getting like my kind of Christmas content, <laughs> and I'm so excited about it.
2: Yeah, I'm still going to watch White Christmas because I adore that movie. And it's one of my oh, favorite times all time. <laughs> However, I, man, I, I'm with you guys. I ate this up with a spoon, man. It was fun. This is Christmassy. I'm in. I, like, Anissa has been fighting, like, has been, me and her have been just waiting for November 1st so we can put up our decorations like we yes. are
5: there. Yes!
2: it's amazing. I am happy. That's it?
1: Yeah, that's all right. It. So that's going to the Galaxy Holiday
2: Special we are
1: in. Um, quick, we're moving over to TV. And two new things dropped that we just wanted to talk about with you guys and put on your radar, radar, radio. Uh, the first is Amazon's Peripheral, which was only on my Peripheral before it debuted. And then weirdly enough on, on comic book, we started having this major spike with just our, our peripheral page. Cause I guess people were looking for something, anything about it mm-hmm. and we don't have anything, but like we had a whole <laughs> database page created for it that began to like jump up in interest. So nice. we're checking out this thing. Um, yeah. When Chloe Moretz started tweeting about gaming and asking for gaming advice, I couldn't tell why I just responded because it's Chloe Moretz, but I didn't understand <laughs> Until I watched this series, which is based on, I believe a book series, but uh, is kind of about this future. In... Look, I'm just gonna say, I can't even explain peripheral, it's very hard. But I think what people are kind of embracing is just how weirdly eclectic this movie is, or movie, this series is, mm-hmm. but how it works. Mm-hmm. I mean, heavy Southern characters with these thick accents who one's like a master marine tactician, one's like an incredible gamer in this kind of advanced VR gaming thing. There's a whole premise about using VR gaming to send yourself to a body in the future. Um, Yeah, and a conspiracy taking place over two time periods. It's wild, man. But it's so, it somehow works and it's very enjoyable. Like I was sucked into these first two episodes deeper than I ever thought. And I was just like, even at times when I was like, what is going on? Like, this is crazy. And I have to rewind some of these scenes sometimes to make sure mm-hmm. like, and what's going on. Cause it is from the creators of Westworld, but yeah, peripheral so far has really just kind of hooked me. And Chloe Grace Moretz is great. This whole cast, Jack, uh, what's his name? Oh, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name for Midsummer. And yeah, but, uh, he's great the too.
5: Brother. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, yeah, they're just all really good, and Amazon is just quietly right. like, killing it, like with picking really great kind of series plug-in from, you know, the sides of genre that some of the mainstream people don't look at and getting these kinds of things going. So we're here just to say, I'm recommending you guys check it out. I, I'm curious to hear what my co-hosts have to say. Uh,
5: this is totally up my alley like on another level it has the gaming it's sci-fi it's the westworldy but not at all it's uh this and can i just say this show is single-handedly making country cool again because these people are because i personally am like whenever i hear like a country accent i'm like oh god this is not for me and I'm like, no, wait, I can relate to these people. Like, this is really cool. And I don't hate my state that I live in as much.
3: Oh,
1: my God. <laughs> so it, it subverts a lot of what you think you're going to see with these characters. Like, you hear them with these thick, almost like redneck country. Mm-hmm. They're both really smart. They're both really talented.
5: Intelligent. Served yeah,
1: together, country. Together yeah. Kind of, because their mom has issues. And, yeah, and their level of just skills and what they're doing. and even their reactions to the first episode, like when there's this thing in the first episode, not a spoiler, where there's a major kind of confrontation that in any other show, you'd be like, oh my God, like these people are going to get slaughtered. There's going to be this big dramatic yeah. shootout. There's going to be a lot of death. And it's like, no, these characters are like, oh, this is happening. Ooh, they shouldn't have done that. And they like flip the tables. And you're like, this, these people can handle themselves. And it's an interesting story. So yeah, so yeah you can see um, peripheral, like, yeah, I've been excited. Episode three, I'm watching now. And it's just getting... Even deeper in the lore about like who the characters are, how wonderfully complex they are, and like what's going
2: on. I watched the trailer. I will give it a chance just based on the trailer. And also, I will pretty much watch anything Chloe oh, yeah. I will at you least You have
5: to keep watching to understand what is happening, though. I must say, like, they don't just, like, explain you everything, no. like, what it all means and why it is this way in episode one. Like, I am still asking so many questions of, like, what is happening. And I'm almost done with episode three. So I would definitely at least watch two episodes before you judge.
1: <laughs> okay. I can do that. All right, the other thing we're going to talk about is for the Star Wars fans real quick. Oh, yeah. We had the new anthology series, Tales of the Jedi, drop this week, which was a pleasant surprise for me. I knew this was coming, and I knew that its first installment would center around Count Dooku and Ahsoka Tano. And I thought, you know, telling these fun little kind of backstories about all of them, both of them. I did not expect Star Wars to kind of she hawk this again and, like, work in <laughs> any kind of important franchise things to reference, especially for like us in a hardcore franchise, which I'm going to write about this, but it's a weird week for Star Wars. It really is because this week has kind of like shown there, like this divide the franchise can't get over between like mainstream stuff and non-mainstream stuff. Like you have people raving this week about Andor and Tales of the Jedi, but it's like, they're not making a blip, not a mainstream blip, but you know, Mm -hmm. Yoda in a show, or you bring back franchise characters, and then everybody's a Star Wars you know, fan yeah. every week and like has all these insights. So it's really weird because the franchise is doing some really great things. But again, you they can never get past this thing. And it's unique to this franchise. Like, oh, I'm never going to watch this animated series. Or I'm never going to watch this thing about like Andor that doesn't have lightsabers and stuff. Like, I don't care. Like, and Star Wars can uniquely not get over this. But I'm going to keep stumping and tell you that Star Wars animation does do it well and tales of the jedi was highly entertaining like each of these stories had meaning to the larger franchise some of them revealed key pieces of lore that have been missing since you know for 20 years now since the prequels and uh i just thought it was another good experiment just like the anime shorts were i thought this was just a great way to kind of keep doing more to expand star wars in these kind of very effective ways but you know, I don't need to be sold on this. My bias is clear. Uh, what did you guys think?
5: I
2: did not. I did not get to
1: watch no. it. Before. Same. Okay, cool.
5: and, and this is exactly what you're talking about, Kofi. Like, we're yeah. not. There we go.
1: Yeah. I can't even get into my own show. So I <laughs> feel like we're talking to Joker in that Batman I scene. chose Chainsaw Man. Does it ever <laughs> you? you did
5: sell me on Chainsaw Man, though. I will say.
2: See? See? You sold, like, Chainsaw Man rules. And I
1: agree. Chris Chipperson Yattle was a straight G. She went out like a G. She was a G. And like, yeah, there was a lot of G work in this. Ahsoka is a G. She can handle herself in three moves, no blade. So people don't know what we're saying. And, uh, yeah, if you want to comment or call me out. I know we were supposed to do this whole kind of fantasy look back episode about hot D. And uh, rings of power this week. Oh yeah, we were. And uh, oh yeah. gosh, yeah, so much, so happened. much happened. That, Yay,
5: uh, we're finally getting content, guys.
1: Happened, but um, <laughs> yeah, well, we do have to talk about this. We do kind of have to go back maybe next week and talk about um the ending of Hot D House <laughs> of the Dragon and rings of power and how both series kind of are sitting with us now. Maybe we'll do some kind of like ranking or something like that. Fun. Ooh. We'll figure it out. We have thoughts. We, have, we thoughts. have thoughts. Just not enough time. The show could easily be two hours. Yeah, hours right, really. don't be. Don't believe it. But it could easily be two hours. So <laughs> we'll talk about all of that. um But we got to get out of here. And Matt, I know there's a lot of stuff we got to get to in your corner before we do. So well, let's throw it over to you.
2: Oh, all right, cool. Yeah. uh Also, yeah, check out Chainsaw Man. Chainsaw oh Man yeah. Ruth. I'm sorry. Chainsaw, I had to
1: Man, Chainsaw Man, Man and My Hero Academia right now are both killing it on the anime front. They're both on Hulu or Crunchyroll. And Andor is—you guys are failing Andor, man. It's so good. Andor really is good. so yes. good. <laughs> um, Check out Andor.
2: I wonder why that wins.
1: People struggling. don't think it's a character worth exploring, and there's no lightsabers. There's literally no. I didn't every think this was a like, character
2: yeah. I I want—not worth exploring. But I didn't wasn't interested. And then this show turned me around. Like I, but I'm just in, if you are watching, I'd be curious to see like if it's more people are falling off mm-hmm. or. Or it's just people aren't giving it a chance at all.
1: Um, I think people no, the we did a report on this, the internal show that it's actually retaining really well. Okay. Um, and it's going upwards in slow, but like this show. It goes upwards in slow trends, but steadily as people say, Okay, okay this is quality. I'm gonna yeah. keep watching it. It's also the challenge that Andor doesn't give, it's not a Twitter show. Like there's so much and layers yeah, to not. it. That people can't go on and be like, "Here's my thoughts on or spoilers." Or did and you like, see the yeah. big thing that happened or, on? Look Andor? at the GIF I made, like you know. <laughs> nobody cares, like <laughs> not in that way. Not in that way. Yeah, not yeah. in that way. It, it, but, actually, it actually makes you think and write and do stuff. I don't and, know. Green and and Rings of Power that wasn't for... that either until like you know last.
0: Uh, no, I uh, no. <laughs> so. you know, but
1: yeah. No, Rings of Power was, but just for the wrong reasons. Always, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so yes. anyway, lots of good stuff there. Um, So let's talk
2: uh, comics. We're going to start with Action Comics 1048. I love that we're talking about Superman. This is
1: yeah, it's been good.
2: Kal-El Returns Part 3. We've been covering the other parts here. So trying to keep it all sequential <laughs>
1: together. I've been reading, but I've also been secretly mad that you've managed to sneak like Superman back into that Why? Just because uh, I try to keep your agenda at a, <laughs> at a, fixed,
2: at a fixed point. I saw a jumping on point. And I stuck get in here. Plus, it feels like with Henry back in the mix, right? It's perfect time. Perfect time to talk, Superman. It is. Um, you are correct. Ironically, this, again, what I feel like these last three issues, and this one very much so, have done is actually not, like, yes, Superman is a focus, but it's really done wonders for Metallo and Lex. And, like, those are really, to me, the most interesting characters in this issue. Uh, there is some larger Superman family stuff that happens. Uh, which I again, I really enjoy kind of seeing them interact and and how the world is kind of dealing with this, you know, big <laughs> former war world. Here, we also get to some very lovely look. Anytime Bibbo shows up, yeah, I'm a sucker for Bibbo, man. I love Bibbo that reaches back to like my, you know, when I first discovered Superman and stuff, and those comics, he was such a big part. So, yeah, it's I such love a
1: random character, but I so know, awesome. and it's he's so.
2: Ridiculous in some ways. Like Superman has an in-universe
1: Stan who's like a big bro, <laughs>
2: But now and he's part crazy. of the family. It's yeah. so good. And I love, too, that like there's a, you know, some people talk about like Superman. One of those kind of comic complaints is like, you know, they don't get like Batman. So has so many moments where you're like, he's just such a badass. You know, Batman just has that Batman moment. And Superman doesn't always have those moments. But when he does and like here, there's that mo- there's a moment of he's like, yeah, that's happening over my dead body. And he's, such a, he's so freaking cool there and like he's going to defend these kids, you know, and these kids are like, you know, yeah, there might be something, uh, a threat, you know, kind of this latent power and stuff. I also just always love seeing him just punch Orion. I i don't hate that character, but that character could come across as such a jerk 90% of the time that it's very nice to see him decked out. So i there's some great moments here, but... Metallo and Lex, like those moments just hit you. And I did not expect that coming into this to be just riveted by this side plot that is really going to become a, a bigger focal point. But what'd you guys think?
1: I think that you kind of touched on, and I was just kind of refreshing my memory here, but uh, I think you touched on something that has been long over maybe or maybe overlooked. I think people have been so obsessed about how to get Superman back and make him exciting in a modern age that we forget sometimes these heroes aren't just themselves. And you need to kind of make their world interesting. Yeah. And I think what this, this particular story arc has done is, like you said, it's, yes, yeah, Superman's there, but it's also taken time to build out a world around him and new kind of focuses that are very interesting when he's not on, yeah. not screen, but on panel or yeah. on page. Like, like you said, the whole thing with Lex kind of seducing Metallo and taking time over three issues yeah. to develop these things. It's not comic booky, it's actual more dramatic depth storytelling with who these characters are, why are they going through these emotions, more Tony Gilroy, frankly. Um, Like, why are they making the choices they make and and kind of getting you there? And that works so that Superman is kind of reframed as what he should be, which is almost this larger-than-character kind of icon. And whether it's an icon to John as the loving father or to the world as this hero or to, like, the bad people of the universe as this kind of, you know, unstoppable threat, or just in this case, a guy whose will is, you know, immovable. He tells, you know, Orion of all people, like, yeah, yeah no. <laughs> and how many people can do that? Yeah, exactly. And when Superman says it and stands there, like, what do you do? Like, you cannot yeah. do him. And so like that understanding that's who the character is, like a force of will an icon, that kind of larger than life stuff. I think they're doing a very good job with.
2: Yeah. Janelle, what do you think?
5: Um, I'll be quick. I, there is a lot going on that I don't know. Uh, like, I don't know certain people and it's just, there's a lot, it's a lot. And I wish I had a little bit more context and understood what was happening first.
2: Yeah, no, I get that. And also, yeah, like uh, as mentioned in the comics, like for like the fourth world group of characters, They they actually haven't been featured in the last two issues. And that's kind of where we jumped on. So yeah, like that, they kind of, come in and you're kind of like, oh, I, I was even surprised. I was like, oh, hey, like that's a <laughs> okay. alien 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 and stuff. But yeah, I can totally see that. Um, yeah. Uh, but has it made you curious to stay on? Because yeah.
5: I, I mean, yes, but yeah. Yeah, there's so many good comics th- that it's, it's really easy to just move on and yeah. read something else. Yeah.
1: Not for me. I, I want to actually see the fight with Superman and a bunch of new gods. Like yeah. I do want to see that. That's a fight worth seeing for me but um i love new god stuff so ah uh, yeah
2: okay so we move on to a little marvel and we move to exterminators number two uh which a uh, series that took us all by surprise i think in the first issue <laughs> just this uh i mean th- and this issue is more of the of what i loved about the first one um it's a little different in how it like approaches some of that stuff but it's still just absurdly fun i mean this is jubilee boom boom uh laura Kinney, wolverine and dazzler all just you know, in this kind of still trying to sort out this mystery, we have vampires in the mix. Uh, I just adore this because we now know that Jubilee is a WWE fan, <laughs> which that makes was amazing. me so happy. That is amazing. And I, uh, I should probably write about that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I just love this issue, just how fun it is. I, I think this is actually probably my favorite newer X book. I I have I've liked parts of red. I liked parts of like there there's been some good stuff in, in a lot of the X-Men books, but I'm pretty sure this is my favorite of that newest wave. Um are we in rain still? Are we in rain of X, Dawn of X? I can't remember which which one we're in, but I whatever mean, that era is.
1: I think we're on to like something like this
2: is my favorite of that newer run. What would you guys think? Or
1: something. Um I don't know who greenlit this book. I don't know who- <laughs> I don't know who greenlit this book. Or like what they were on when the night somebody came with a perfect pitch. They must have caught them like at a restaurant, like two <laughs> bottles of wine in. But whoever did it and however they convinced them, like, good on them, because yeah. this this book is wild. Like every time I open it up and just start reading, I'm like, this is wild. From the moment it has a part like a, a disclaimer warning in the big thing yeah, about know. how violent and for adults only it is, to just this all female ex squad in this kind of satirical thing and in this incredibly dark horror kind of setting, it it just works. It's crazy. It is crazy how well this works. Like hearing Jubilee and Boom Boom go at it over like fashion choices in the middle of a mirror thing that where where their evil selves are beating the crap out of them out of mirrors and stuff. Like just that sentence alone is like comic books in a nutshell, but this works. And I love this series. And I love seeing these four characters together. Uh. What I never would have picked out, never. I would have even put two of them together probably. like. It's so good. And it's so good. And it's so funny. And a little bit sexy. So I'm in.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Very sexy. I'm so loving Dazzler uh, that she's she's my new girl. Yeah. And uh, just the whole crew, though. It's like a girl group gone crazy. It's, uh, it's just really cool. Uh, this is nuts. And it may not always make sense in my mind. And I don't know exactly what's happening. But I'm here for it.
1: I need to know there's a Nashville bachelor party going down like this, this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) I
2: do. I do hope this, uh, you know, continues to be something that, you know, even if this season or this series kind of comes to a close or whatever, I want to see these characters, Oh, move yeah. On to something. I want an ongoing that just keeps going because this is great. This is fantastic. Yeah, they should be
1: their own squad. They're
0: yeah.
2: Hilarious. Um. And as Brightwood, uh, brings up before we head out, uh, yeah, uh, Captain Marvel's next we will have some mutants in the mix. Uh, <laughs> so Janelle, we will we will get some some mutants in there, and you know maybe this can be the thing. We start to sway. <laughs> you know the the love of, of mutants that for uh, Janelle. Uh, yeah. Maybe that doesn't
5: growing on me. Uh,
2: yeah. Uh. So also, uh, real quick mention. Uh, because we didn't do a poll this week because we just had so much <laughs> to cover. Um, but uh, beyond the White Knight, number six came out, and the, oh my god, this is so good! The series is just amazing. If you were, if you love the White Knight universe's version of uh, Harley Quinn like I do, this is, you're gonna absolutely want to read this issue. Stuff between her and Bruce is amazing. Nightwing has been a jerk for a while in the White Knight universe, and finally we start to see stuff move. There's some amazing conversation happening with him and Bruce. Oh, this series is just chef's kiss, man. This is amazing. So yeah, so definitely check that out. But that's comments.
1: All right. Oh, I think we've done
2: enough. I think, I think we've done the thing, <laughs> yeah, right? right. Yeah, like, I think yeah.
1: Thank you for tuning in to Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture. And the official podcast show of comicbook.com as i said at the break if you're just getting into our show and you know it seems lately like in the last couple of weeks we've had more and more new people jumping on so be sure to subscribe on youtube to our youtube channel be sure to subscribe on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts we're on all the major ones you can also catch us multiple times a week on the mixable live channel of paramount plus so check us out on mixable and just hit us up on twitter if you want to talk chat get some updates, you know, debate things from the show with us. You can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Matt CB.
5: You can find me at Janelle Wheeler.
1: All right. Thank you guys for tuning in with us, and we will see you next week. Uh, no, no, it's not, it's not Black Panther next week, is it? No, it's the week after. Okay, so, no. We will be two weeks to Black Panther, but we will be back next week, and maybe we'll do some fun stuff, like getting some back, stuff, catching man, up on man. some of this fantasy and all that stuff. And we got wrestling, I think. Yep. Yeah, so We'll shift next week. It'll be a fantasy, wrestling, all this other stuff. And who knows what happens in Marvel DC. (laughs) So stay tuned. We're Comic Book Nation. Peace. Bye, guys.